It's Tuesday, June the 30th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, China drops the other shoe on Hong Kong and Iran's warrant for Trump. First, the world in brief. China's parliament passed a sweeping new national security law for Hong Kong. The bill outlaws subversion, terrorism and collusion with foreign forces and is expected to impose life sentences for some crimes. Hong Kongers, including much of the territory's government, are still in the dark about the details which may be released this afternoon. America pledged to punish China with visa and import restrictions, and China threatens to respond in kind. The bill could become law by tomorrow. July 1st is the anniversary of Hong Kong's handover from Britain to China in 1997, a day which brings both patriots and protesters onto the streets. India banned 59 mobile apps made in China, including TikTok, WeChat, and a slew of news aggregators and productivity widgets. India's IT ministry said it was defending the country's sovereignty by protecting its data. Since a bloody exchange over disputed territory in the Himalayas earlier this month, which killed 20 Indian troops, the country has struggled to find means to retaliate. Militants attacked Pakistan's stock exchange in Karachi with grenades and gunfire. The four assailants killed at least four people and injured others before themselves being killed by security forces. The Balochistan Liberation Army, an ethnic separatist group, claimed responsibility for the attack. Iran issued an arrest warrant and asked Interpol for help detaining President Donald Trump and 35 others over the killing of Qasem Soleimani, the leader of the Quds Force of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. The countries were at the brink of war after Soleimani was assassinated in an American drone strike in January. Iran retaliated, firing missiles at bases in Iraq housing American troops. America's Supreme Court issued several big decisions. It threw out a restrictive abortion law in Louisiana, with Chief Justice John Roberts joining the court's four liberal members. Opponents of the law argued it posed an undue burden on women seeking abortions. In another decision, the Consumer Financial Protection Board, a government watchdog, survived a conservative challenge against its existence, though the court affirmed the president's right to fire its head. And the court said it will not hear an appeal against the federal government's use of execution by lethal injection. Exit polls by a Russian state organisation indicated that 76% of those who had voted so far in an ongoing plebiscite back constitutional reforms that would allow President Vladimir Putin to seek further re-elections. Opinion polls had predicted far less support for the measure. If it is passed, Mr Putin could run for president twice more, potentially extending his rule until 2036. And after his party failed to win any big cities in municipal elections on Sunday, President Emmanuel Macron promised 15 billion euros, 17 billion dollars in investment, to accelerate France's transition towards a greener economy. EELV, the Green Party, made big gains in the election. Meanwhile, a court sentenced François Fillon, a former centre-right presidential candidate, to five years in prison for embezzling public funds. And now, here's today's agenda. Shoot first, ask questions later. America's economy. 
Today, the Financial Services Committee of America's House of Representatives will quiz Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, and Stephen Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, about the economic response to the coronavirus pandemic. In an attempt to preserve jobs and incomes, America has gone all out. The fiscal stimulus is worth some 13% of GDP, while the Fed's balance sheet has been swollen by trillions of dollars of asset purchases. The evidence so far is fairly encouraging. Except in the shale oil business, there is not much evidence of a wave of bankruptcies, while in April and May, household poverty actually fell, as people received stimulus checks and higher unemployment insurance payments. Yet questions have also been asked about whether the Fed, by reducing borrowing costs, is giving corporate America an unfair subsidy. There are also worries that the flagship scheme to help small businesses has been gamed by larger companies. Do not expect a round of backslapping. Running ragged, FedEx and COVID-19. Parcel delivery companies have struggled to keep up with surging demand since COVID-19 drove shoppers online. And so, one might expect investors to be looking forward to good news when the previously struggling FedEx publishes its annual results today. Not so fast. Online shoppers have overwhelmed the network of FedEx Ground, its unit that does door-to-door delivery, as many bricks-and-mortar stores remained closed. Lower consumer demand overall, however, has sapped demand from businesses moving cargo from factories to shop, the types of deliveries that, before COVID-19 struck, were FedEx's real moneymakers, since bulk shipments are more profitable than lower-margin home deliveries. The issue is not new. FedEx has long struggled to capitalise on the growing e-commerce market, quitting its partnership with Amazon last year in frustration with the low prices demanded by the retail giant. But COVID-19 has made the problem a lot worse. The pandemic's penumbra, the slow Chinese rebound. China's economic recovery was supposed to be going full tilt by now. It is nearly five months since the peak of its coronavirus outbreak and three months since 99% of its industrial firms resumed work. But data to be released today are expected to show that the world's second largest economy suffered a setback in June. The Purchasing Managers Index, a gauge of the manufacturing sector, is forecast to have edged down, indicating a slackening in the pace of the recovery. One cause of weakness is external. Countries around the world remain in varying states of lockdown, depressing demand for Chinese exports. The other cause is internal. A new cluster of infections in Beijing, though limited, has reinforced a deep wariness in China about plunging back into normal life. So, even in a country that has done more than most to contain the pandemic, it is continuing to take a toll on growth. Boris the Builder, Britain's government, looks to rebound. Boris Johnson plans to build for Britain. Today he will attempt to relaunch his premiership in a speech in Dudley, a left-behind Midlands town, by setting out plans to boost Britain's economic recovery with a big spree of infrastructure investment. This is a moment for a Rooseveltian approach to the UK, he said in an interview on Times Radio, a new digital station yesterday, referring to FDR, the president who is often credited with lifting America from the Depression, with a burst of spending on dams, roads and schools. Mr Johnson had already planned to spend big on hospitals, railways and high-speed broadband in order to cement the support of working-class voters in Northern England, who handed him a landslide in the general election last December. 
The pandemic has given those plans new purpose, as Britain faces the prospect of a steep recession and high unemployment for years to come. On the move, France's president heads to Africa. Fresh from a disappointing election, President Emmanuel Macron today jets off to Mauritania in West Africa for his first post-lockdown trip outside Europe. The French president, along with Spain's Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez, will attend the G5 Sahel summit with leaders of five countries in the region, focused on security and counter-terrorism. Mr Macron wants to follow up on the meeting he hosted in January, at which these countries, despite local protests, confirmed they wanted the roughly 5,000 French soldiers to stay in the region. He is keen both to reinforce the local military contribution and to internationalise French-led anti-jihadist activities. Hence the participation of other European leaders, including Germany's Angela Merkel, who will take part virtually. The French president may have other reasons to return to foreign affairs with vigour. The French tend to approve of his diplomacy. Of the way he runs France, not so much. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Czesław Miłosz, who was born on this day in 1911. Love means to look at yourself the way one looks at distant things. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.